I know this is happening to a lot of people right now. I know you've had a long week. I had a long week, and I discovered how long of a week I had this morning um, when I looked in the mirror after my shower and discovered that it looked like I was attempting to apply for a circus um, sideshow. While in the shower, I shaved off this half of my beard without knowing it and realized I look like a freak of nature. And I, So I went to get the razor. I'm evening things up, and then I thought, I'm just going to shave it off. I'm like, I'm sick of this. And then I remembered the last time I did that, my wife came to me and said, you need to grow that back right away. So at least I had the wits about me to leave something on my face. If you're like, are you trying something new, Blair? No, I'm just sporting something new because I don't have a choice because I was tired, I guess. I don't know what happened. Uh, this morning what I want to do is I want to start with a quiz. So if you've had a long week, we're about to find out if your memory's sharp. And what I want to do is I want to put up some images of some stones or rocks, and I want to see if you can identify them. And uh, we're going to kind of do it on the honor system a little bit. I'm going to let you just kind of figure out what it is, and then I want you to whisper to the person that you're sitting next to so that you can tell them, hey, I've got this one down. Now, some of you whisper like an old woman in a movie theater, right? She's the only one who thinks she's whispering. Everybody hears what she's saying. Don't do it that, like, you're trying to actually keep this quiet to see if somebody else can get the answer right. So actually whisper if you can pull that off, okay? I think four of them should be fairly famous. You should have a good shot at them. The last one, the last one is a stumper. We had people get it in the last service, so I bet that'll happen here, but let's see how you do. Here you go, five. What's famous rock or stone is this? Not going to give you long because these are fairly easy. Okay, second one. Oh, yeah, it should jump right into your mind. You know what that is? Get a little, 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 wow, some of you are loud. I can hear you. Second, okay, the third one. There have actually been people from Waypoint who have gone to this one. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Do you know which one this is? Again, quiet whisper. Next one. Like, there's such a massive hint on there. I don't know how to help you if you can't get this one, but give it a shot. It's a famous rock or stone. And now let's go for the stumper. That's, a, that's an actual rock. I know you've heard of it. I just don't know if you're going to be able to guess it. Okay. So let's go to the first one. How many of you said Mount Rushmore? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. There should be a lot of you who should be able to get that one, I would hope, right? Um, the next one should be pretty easy. Easter Island, how many of you said that? Yeah? Not as many? Wow, okay, there's some over there. Yeah, I, this should be fairly uh, famous, um, fairly creepy and odd, so you should have, like, stored that somewhere in your memory. What's the next one? Stonehenge, right? Yeah, we've had some people who went there. How many, again, how many got that? Just a little raise of hand. Okay, a lot more, a lot more than the last one. That's kind of surprising to me. Okay, Plymouth Rock. It had the date right on there. I don't know what else we could do to help with that, right? That's Plymouth Rock, um, 1620. Okay, hold on. Don't show the next one. Any guesses on the last one? The Rosetta Stone. Wow, there are. 
All right, so I, I figured you would get four of these right. How many of you got four of these right? What? There's like only a few people? I consider you stone aficionados, but who got the last one right? Could you raise your hand? Yeah, I consider you people stoners, and I'm concerned about you, right? How in the world did you get that one right? The, the Rosetta Stone was a stone they found in Egypt that had Greek writing on it, and it had um, Egyptian writing on it. And we knew the Greek, so they actually backed into it to figure out what the Egyptian was saying, and they used that to interpret all kinds of Egyptian hieroglyphs all across Egypt. It ended up being a stone that helped them understand the Egyptian language, so that's pretty cool. What I want to know is why you people know so much about rocks and stones and even care in the first place. Like, these are, these are old, ancient kind of things, and I think there's reasons. I think there's real reasons why you do. Um, many monuments are made out of stone. They're made out of stone because they're durable. They last for a long period of time, and so somebody would use that as some sort of marker. And in this case, we know that there was a story behind some of these things. So Plymouth Rock, uh, Mount Rushmore, you kind of know the story behind those. The others, those stories are a bit of a mystery. And it's probably why we're fascinated by it. We're fascinated by what in the world compelled somebody to carve faces in stone, stick them in the ground, and place them all over an island. We, they have lots of theories about Stonehenge. I've, I've read it. I'm very curious about all that stuff. There's lots of theories, but nobody knows for sure why that's there. And yet you have people who, and this is part of the fascination for me, they didn't have any modern equipment, and yet they were moving these giant rocks around and doing incredible stuff with them. If somebody came to me today and said, I want you to move this 2,000-pound rock, and we're not going to give you any equipment to do it, I'd just say no. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to work on that. I'm not even going to think about that. That's crazy to do. And yet these people were doing all of this stuff. They were doing it because they wanted to remember something of importance. And so they made it out of stone. And what's fascinating is that kind of thing happened in the scriptures too. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, one of those examples happened in the book of Joshua. He is crossing the Jordan into the promised land, and the scriptures record that he actually takes two piles of 12 rocks. We don't know how big they were. We don't, we don't know much about them, except that this was happening. So here's the first, here's the first set. In verse 8 of Joshua 4, So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of Israel, as the Lord had told Joshua. They took those 12 stones out of the Jordan, and they took them over to their camp. They're, they're, those stones are going to travel, and they're going to be placed somewhere in a little bit. But then there's a second set of stones. This is in verse 9. Joshua set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood and they are there to this day. So they grabbed another 12 stones, and they wanted to mark the very spot where the Ark of the Covenant had been. And so they stacked these up in some sort of way as a monument that they could remember. Now the other 12 that had been taken to the camp ended up in Gilgal. And this is what, this is what the scriptures record. This is in verse 21. 
he said to the Israelites, they, they put these on display. Again, we don't know how. We don't know what they did exactly. In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Verse 22 says, tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. We're going to attach a story to this monument and when you walk by it with your kids, when you walk by it with your grandkids, and they wonder what in the world are these rocks doing here, you're going to point to them and you're going to tell them this story. It's going to trigger a memory that you're going to be able to retell. Now, I, want, I actually want to show you some rocks that are standing stones in Israel. Uh, they're in the area Nobody knows if the nation of Israel put these in. They don't know if other nations put these in. The, the meaning, the purpose behind what these are, are lost. It could have been part of a building. Nobody's really sure. But these are stones that were, again, stood up because somebody was trying to remember something. This was practiced in the ancient world um, for a lot of reasons. I, and I, wanted, I just want to point out something that's really important. The reason it happened in the book of Joshua was not because Joshua thought it was a good idea. If you'll go and pay attention to verse 8, and there's other sections of the script, there's other verses that point this out. This was God's idea that they put up these monuments. Why? Because as human beings, we have trouble with our short-term memory. Like, it's on to the next thing. It's, in our culture, we call it FOMO, right? There's a fear of missing out on the next thing. You're always looking forward. You're always moving ahead. You're trying to keep your schedule open so that you can do the next coolest thing. And the stuff that's behind kind of gets left in the dust. And sometimes that's not a bad thing because some of the stuff that's in our past has not been good to our lives. But living that way of always moving forward, always looking ahead, can be a distraction. And sometimes it can be disheartening. And the truth of the matter is, God is at work in your life. And along the path of your life, He is leaving markers, moments, where He's done something significant in your life that if you could remember, would be of value to you. Can I show you another standing stone? It's, this one's... This one's um, right outside in our landscaping. <clears throat> yeah, I, I love this. Um, we had this stone commissioned. It, you can't see it. It's down there in 2009. Um, <clears throat> it's an attempt for us to remember our story. Many of you won't know this. Uh, Waypoint sits on 36 and a half acres. It's a little less now. We had to sell some back because of the road construction. But we paid $10,000 for this property. God arranged everything else. And, um, and, and we want to remember that we didn't do it. Like we didn't make that happen. We couldn't have made that happen at the rate that it was happening. God did that and was good to us. And so that stone reminds us that God's character doesn't change even when our lives do. Even when our lives get difficult, even when our lives are tough, we can look back and know God's faithful. That is, that is his heart, and we can remember that. I'm bringing all of this up for a reason. There's an act in the scriptures that acts like a standing stone in your life. It's a, 
It's a monument where you, you do this thing that doesn't, it doesn't have any power in the act at all. In fact, the, it's mostly symbolic. But the value of it is that you place a spiritual marker in your life that becomes this thing that you can look back on and recall just how good God has been to you. And it becomes an anchor point for your life. Jesus actually brings this up in Matthew 28. He's speaking to his disciples. He's about to ascend back into heaven. And in Matthew 28, he tells his um, disciples that God has given him all authority. He has all authority. He can do whatever he wants. And this is what he chooses to do. He establishes a movement. He says in verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to make my name famous around the world. This is, this is the task that I'm giving you, my followers. And then he says this, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Part of the plan was for people to be baptized. And if, and if you want to know right now, around the globe, this is practiced. For over 2,000 years, this has been practiced, and at Waypoint, we still practice baptism. We practice it um, for uh, probably a couple different reasons. Uh, I love the fact that it ties us into the history that we're with, but I want to give you some big reasons why you should consider thinking about being baptized if you haven't yet. One is there's visuals in that bap baptism that describe how good God has been to you. That when you participate in that, it becomes a representation of what was going on in your life between you and God. And I just want to suggest to you that like for thousands of years, most people couldn't read, so they needed these visuals. You don't need it for that reason, but you need it as a monument, as a memorial, as a memory. There's value in it, in all of that imagery that you would understand. So that would be one of the reasons I would encourage you to consider it. A second reason is, I, I think baptism can become one of your standing stones. It can become a monument that you decide to put up for everybody to understand where you stand with Jesus. It becomes an anchor point for you to remember and look back and say, because of what God did for me, I responded in this way. Now, I could, I could also argue and say the scriptures make it clear that this is something that we're commanded to do. We're to, we're to be baptized. But have you, ever, have you ever had a little kid do something because they were told to do it, but in their heart they were opposed to it the whole time? It's like watching a train wreck. Like it's they're doing what they want, but they're doing it with the worst kind of attitude. They might as well not even do it. And that's kind of what happens with this. God wants this to be about a heart response where you look at him and say, because of what you've done for me, I want to respond. And so I, what I want to do this morning is I want to present to you some of the imagery and pictures. I want to try to answer some of the questions about how Waypoint does baptism because it's done a lot differently in a lot of different places, and it's created a lot of confusion for people, and we're going to try to um, set some of that aside so you know exactly what we're talking about when we talk about baptism here, okay? So I want to start with imagery. I want to start with the imagery first. There are three 
main pictures in baptism that are really valuable for you. And one of them, oddly enough, is death. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the, in the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, that culture, they looked at any body of water, any like a sea, an ocean, even a river that was deep enough, they considered that a place of death, of evil, and chaos. This is not a place that you would want to go. And yet, when it comes to baptism, we take and we set you in the middle of a tub of water, like up to your waist. And in essence, what we're saying is we're putting you in the middle of some death, some chaos. Why? Why would we do that? Because it's the truth about your situation. Romans 6.23 says we've all sinned. We've all followed our desires. We had, we had the, our desire to do the, way, the things we wanted to do. We had kind of ignored what God wanted. And we caused a mess. And Romans 3.23 says we all did it. Like we're all in this mess where you're standing in death. And so we put you in it. We, we, want you to, we want you to sit in it and understand that you're in this problem because of what you caused. But here's what's really kind of cool about the picture of baptism. You're not remembering your death. Because if, if we put you under that water and you didn't come back out, you would die. And that's what we've all deserved. We've sinned. We would be captured by our sin. It would be the end of the story. But I want you to see what Romans 6, 3 says. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? It's not your death that you're remembering as you do this. You're actually going and you're saying, you know what? Because of what I did, because of my sin, because of the stuff that I did that was wrong... Jesus decided to pile that on himself. And so now he's standing in death. He's facing death. Why? Not because of anything he did wrong, but because of my junk. But I'm identifying with him. Because there's, there's a bigger story here than just his death, but it starts there. And so we identify with the fact that he's going to take our sin and he's going to die for it. And there is something in that that causes us to have a grateful heart that says, if with, without you doing that, I'm doomed. So I'm with you. I'm with you in your death. There's a second part of this. So we stand you in this water, and then at some point, we're going to put you all the way under. And we're going to bury you. And it's, we're doing that because we want you to identify with the second part of this, which is burial. Look, this is what it says in Romans 6, 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. A, a part of the beautiful picture of this is once you're buried and you come back out and you feel that water falling off you, it is a reminder that you have been wiped clean, not because of anything that you did, but because you were with Jesus. And when he died, he took and buried your junk, period. I think sometimes we come to God 
guilty over stuff that we've done in the past that he's forgiven us for. And we're like, God, you remember that thing? And he's like, no, I, I buried it. Like, I, I, I put that in the ground. I put it as far as the east is from the west from me. That is dead to me. And if you could understand that that's the picture that God has of your life, I'm giving you a new start. All of the things that you did to pile up junk in your life, I'm burying. It's gone. If you'll identify with me, if you're going to be with me, I'm going to take all of that sin and I'm going to bury it. And you're going to come up out of that water clean, new. The water doesn't clean you. That's, it's just a picture of what's happened in your life because of what Jesus did for you. The third image, this is the payoff. This is what's incredible. In Romans 6, 4, it says this. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that. There's a reason you were buried. And here it is. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There's a chance for you to have a start over. There's a chance after all of that junk that you piled up in your life to get rid of it, to, to live without the burdens of it. There is a chance for a new life. Why? Because if it's your sin and it was you, you would be buried. But because you've identified with Jesus and he comes back to life, you get a new life. You get a start over. In fact, one of the pictures of this baptism that I love so much is after you come out of that water and you take a breath, it is a reminder that you have been given a new life. If it was your sin, if it was your burial, it would be the end of the story. But with Jesus, there is new life, new freshness, new breath, and it's a new direction for where you can go. I want to say this again. This is really important. Baptism is not the powerful thing. Jesus is. They, it just contains all of these pictures of what he's done for you. If you're willing to admit, yeah, my sin did this. I'm willing to follow you. I want to bury this. I want to experience new life with you. And you do that by saying, I'm with him. I'm going to be a follower of his. I'm going, to, I'm going to accept that my sin caused death. I'm with him in death. I'm with him in burial, man. He's going to take that to the grave and he's going to leave it there. I'm with him because he's taking my junk and doing something that I couldn't do with it. He's leaving it behind. I'm with him because I get a new life. And this opportunity to identify ourselves with Jesus becomes really important. In fact... Jesus was talking to his disciples. This is just his little group. And he says this to them at one point. His, his core group, he says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Guys, if you stand with me, I'm with you. And then he turns around and says to this core group of people who have been following him for years, but whoever disowns me before others, I'll disown for my Father in heaven. And before you think that sounds like a threat, all that is is God giving you what you wanted. If you want to disown me, I'll let you do it. 
Like, it will break my heart because if you're with me, I am with you to the end. I've got your back. I'm going to stand with you. But if you want to disown me, I'll let you do it. I'll let you have what you want. In this moment where you get to stand up publicly and say, I'm with Jesus. I accept all of these things that he did for me. And I want to remember this in my own life. I want to put down the spiritual marker that allows everybody to understand where I stand with Jesus becomes really critical. And if you haven't done it, I hope you'll consider it. Now, uh, what happens is because there are so many different kinds of baptisms and the church practices a lot of different ways, we find that there are a lot of common questions. I'm going to try to answer some of them quickly. If you have further questions after this, we'd love to talk with you about it. So uh, one of the questions that we take often is, Blair, do you do infant baptisms? That is not the kind of baptism that we're talking about. If you were listening carefully, this is about, this is about you making a decision to follow Jesus and that you've made in the past, and now you're making that public. So an infant doesn't have the chance to make those kind of decisions. It's a different kind of baptism. That is a thing that a family does as a spiritual marker in their lives. And we have something like that at Waypoint. We call it a child dedication. Where if you want to stand and say, I want to raise my kid to honor God. I want to create the kind of home that honors God. With, and we're going to do that together. And you want to make that a declaration? We have that opportunity. There'll, there'll be a chance for us to pray over that child with you for what you want to see happen in the future. But this one, the one that we're talking about right now, this is for people who understand what they're doing. They're making a choice about who they're identifying with. And so um, for us, this immersion baptism that we do underwater is for people who get it themselves. It's for them. It's that kind of baptism. It's not the other. What if, um, we take this question every year, what if I'm an adult who's been following Jesus for a long time and I just haven't been baptized. What's the point? Like, I'm obviously a follower of Jesus. And I would say, um, listen, at, at some point, there is an element of this that is about obedience for you. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus and he's asked you to do this, why, why would you not? Why would you not want to do that? Uh, what we've run into sometimes is that some people said, that's embarrassing. It'll be embarrassing for people to see that I haven't done this after all of these years. Can I, can I tell you, our country is the least intimidating place for you to be baptized. Like if the only thing that we're concerned about is being embarrassed, we're way, way ahead of the game. Because there are people around the world, when they get baptized, their families reject them. There are people around the world that risk life and death after they get baptized. Like, it's serious. So if it's, just, if it's just a level of embarrassment for you, find a way to have a conversation with somebody about that so that you can get past that because it's not worth preventing you from doing something that God wants you to do that would honor him. I had some other people say, hey, um, I'm afraid that I'll just be judged. Like, I'm, I haven't done this in a long time. And I, I, I don't know about other churches. I can, tell you, I can tell you here in our community, when 
somebody is standing in that water about to be baptized, we know what it represents. We know what it means to that person. And I don't care if you waited 25 years to get baptized. It's celebration time. I haven't seen any judgment ever. I've only seen people excited that you were willing to take that stand in that moment. So if you're concerned about judgment, I really don't think that should be on the table for you either. Blair, I've been baptized before. Should I be baptized again? Uh, And there's a lot of different things that we hear along these lines. Here's what we would say. It's not required for you to be involved at Waypoint for you to be baptized here. It's... um, There are some places that it has to be for membership or serving or all those sorts of things. None of that's true. None of that's true at Waypoint. You can be involved at whatever level that you want. Um, Some people have come and said, hey, we got baptized with a different method. Nobody ever stood me in some water. I didn't get that imagery, that picture. What I did was somebody poured some water or sprinkled it, but my heart was in the right place. I wanted to identify with Jesus. And I would say, Awesome. That's what God really cares about. The mode might change, but if your heart was in the right place, let that be your memorial. Let that be that time where you can look back and say, I made that public commitment to Jesus. And it's okay. You don't have to do a baptism here that fits our style, our mode, or to be involved in our community. Are there any reasons that people might be baptized again? Well, Maybe, uh, but I would ask you to be really careful about how you would do that. Um, baptism is not meant to be a frequent dipper kind of situation where the, the more you go down over time, the better off you are. It, uh, in fact, I think it actually has the ability to lessen uh, the significance of that moment when you can't look back on the one time or the one place where that was big. So we've had some people come to us and say, my friends are getting baptized. I'd like to get baptized again. Well, I'm I'm not sure that's the best reason. Don't just hop in there with your friends. But we've had some couples come and say, my spouse has not been baptized. We would like to do this together as a spiritual marker for the two of us. And we got on board with that. That was exciting. Uh, We've had some people come and say, I think I should be rebaptized because I came to Jesus, but then I walked away for a while. And now I'm coming back. There's no need for that rebaptism. Put your life right with God. Do that. But remember that spiritual marker where that happened. I, I, I did that already. Then just get it right. If it's so significant that you want to do that, we'll have a conversation with you. But we want the reason that you would be baptized to be something that would um, be of value. Don't just, don't just do it over and over and over again. Uh, just because it's engaging or fun to be a part of something, all right? Uh, We've had some people go, um, I was young, I didn't understand what I was doing, can I get re-baptized now that I understand the pictures fully? And I'll tell you, some of it will depend on your age. If you're still young, we're going to ask you to wait. We're just going to ask you to wait for a little bit because we, we don't want it to be a thing that happens very often. And we want you to have a really clear picture of what's in your head. It's why we try not to baptize anybody below fourth grade at this point. We'll, we obviously work with families and that sort of thing. But we want you to understand all the imagery, all the picture. We want you to have this relationship with Jesus 
that stands for something when you go to do this. And so if you're coming and you're like, man, I'm not sure I understood it, then we want to make sure that you fully understand that before we would ever do it again. We want that cleared up so that you can have that memorial in your life, that you can have that memory of you taking a stand with Jesus and going public. Uh, Ben, would you come forward? Would you come forward right now? The act of baptism is celebrating what Jesus did for us. He died for us. He was buried for us. He rose again, and because of that, we benefit from that. And all of those pictures are wrapped up in this. And this is, this is true about your life. And if you've gone through that and you have this connection with Jesus, you've accepted all of those things, then it might be time for you to consider being baptized. If, um, in order to do that, there's places that you can go and sign up. You can do it on our website. You can use our app. You can find a different place. You'll say, I'm interested in bap- being baptized. A staff member will contact you. We'll have a conversation. Make sure that you're really clear on what this picture is all about. And then we'll schedule it. We've got a baptism coming up on September 12th. I'd love for all of you to stay and watch people make that commitment. There's people who are going to say, I'm with Jesus publicly for the first time in their lives. They're going to make that public stand and put down that standing stone. I'd love for you to be there to celebrate with them. Now, here's the thing. If that date does not work for you, you still need to contact one of us in the staff, um, put something in in one of those uh, messages, and say, look, I want to be baptized, but that date doesn't work. We're going to work with you. We'll find a pool. We'll find a pond. We'll find somewhere where we can go and do that with you. But if, if God is prompting you to do this, don't let the, the wrong date be the reason that would stop you from following through. There is something that God wants from you. He wants to put this thing in your life as a spiritual marker that you can look back on forever. And if he's prompting you to do it, I hope you'll have the courage to follow through. Why don't you stand and worship with us now?